But we've been we've been in a series for a few weeks called Kingdom Prayer. In the last couple of weeks, I've just I set the set the table the first week. Last week, I kind of kind of loaded it up, and I know some of you probably thought I'm nuts. This week, I just want to answer one question, very simple question. Okay, and I've entitled this: Why does God answer our prayers? Why? Why? So it, it's going to be simple. It's going to have one point. Well, it's not going to have a bunch of points, but it's going to have one simple truth to it. Whenever I listen to a sermon, I want to know what the takeaway is. Okay? Now you may say, "Well, no, I can't believe that." Well, it is. I mean, I've heard lots of sermons that just go on and on. I've preached sermons that just went on and on and on. And when I got through, I wondered, "What in the world did you say?" If you don't know what you said, nobody else knows what you said. And, and so one of the things that, that, that I wouldn't take anything for was my experiences in, in Bible college and in seminary and my preaching classes. And, and we would, this may sound a little cold and calculated, but we would basically in those classes, all of us would preach multiple times. And everybody that was listening, they were listening, but they were listening with a critical ear. Okay, they were taking notes. They were they were marking you mistakes, and they were they were trying to figure out what the the big the thesis point, the big point was, and did you support it, and did you introduce it, and did you illustrate it, and did you apply it? And and that sounds mechanical, but really it's not. Okay, because if there's a fog up here in the pulpit. You can't even see anybody out there. It's cloudy, okay? If, if the pastor doesn't communicate, if the person doing the teaching or the preaching doesn't communicate, the rest of us are, you know, we're just kind of left. So one of my things is, is that whenever I listen to a sermon, I want to know what the take, what's in it that, that, that God wants to use in my life right now. What's God trying to say to me? That's what I mean by takeaway. What's the nugget? What's the grain of truth? What's the, what's the big idea? What's God saying to me today? What does the Holy Spirit want to use in my life today? You know, that takeaway may just be a word. There have been times when, when I was listening to, to sermons where a word just exploded in my spirit. And, and I, 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 honestly, there have been two or three words that, that it took me months to get over, that I just had to, I had to chew on. A little bit every day. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's it's a it's a verse in scripture. I can remember 90, 1997, God gave me a, a, a verse out of Ezekiel, and 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 I'm terrible with numbers, so I'm not going to try to tell you where it's at. But but I can tell you what it says. It, it, God says, "I looked for a man who sh- who should stand in the gap and build up in the, the wall." And I begin to pray, God, I want to be that man. Because the next sentence was, and I found no one. Not somebody who could, but somebody who would. And so I begin to pray that. I remember when I found the 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 the, uh, the verse in, in Jeremiah 23, I mean 29, verse 13, that if I would seek God with all my heart, he would let me find him. Those those verses I heard in sermons, but they exploded in my spirit. It, it not just be a definition. You know, I've heard pastors give definition of words that just totally blew me away. Changed the way I looked at things. It, it could be a, a revelation. Sometimes, you know, God just gives revelations. Sometimes they come right out of his word. Sometimes they come from, from what the speaker is saying. Sometimes it comes when you hear what the speaker is saying and God just applies it in your life. So it, sometimes it's just a sentence. Sometimes it's a, a new concept. It's, a, it's an eternal truth. Sometimes it's just a clear point. But I want to take something away from every sermon I hear. And so this morning, the takeaway is going to be very simple. Now, I'm going to save it, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to save it to the end because I've, I've preached long enough to learn that if I give it to you at the beginning, most of you get real comfortable and your eyes will start to do this. And, and that's okay. God bless you if you need to get some sleep. This is a good place, okay? But I'm not going to put you to sleep, I hope. But I just believe that there are those moments, those, those moments when God gives us a clear moment They'll open a, a new door into his presence. A doorway that, that will beckon all of us to go deeper in our relationship with him. And I've been a student of, of prayer and worship for a long time. Uh, I believe nothing opens our heart 
like prayer and worship. Prayer and worship, for me, and I believe this is true of, of, of should be true of everyone, is literally, it's not singing songs necessarily. It's not necessarily even talking. But it's conversation with God. See, when I worship, whether it's singing, I, I, I was sitting, standing up here a while ago, and I, I was trying to get the beat with my hands. Now, y'all don't need to ever follow me, okay? Because I'll lead you somewhere into the land of misfit rhythm, okay? But I realized my foot had the perfect beat. And I'm trying, I, I, I mean, it was the wildest thing. I'm thinking half of me knows the beat. The other half is up here wandering around in the woods. It, it just, I don't know why I'm telling you that story, but, oh, I do too. I do too. I just realized that, that you know, as I worship God, there's a conversation going on. Now, part of it was unintelligible up here, but but my foot had it. It, it had to be. And so, uh, you know, conversation is the key to intimacy. Now, I use that word a lot, okay? You'll hear me use that a lot. But I believe that's the key to relationship with God. You and I can be as intimate with God as you and I want to be. All right? God's got nothing up to keep us away from Him. There, there's no wall. There, there's, I don't have to go into a room and stand in front of the curtain and wish I could meet with God. Folks, the curtains are gone. And so I can be as intimate with God as I want to, and so can you. But too often when we pray, and when we worship, but this morning we're talking about pr- prayer, we talk about God. Or we talk at God rather than talk to God. And there's a big difference. I really believe that genuine prayer is is a conversation with God. It's not a monologue of wishes and wants. And and let's just all be honest. Sometimes we get to those places where, you know, it's just me. uh, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But if we'll force ourselves, once we get our wish list out, to just be quiet a minute, God will speak. It's, it's, It's dialogue. It's not just monologue. And you know, I've said this before, I believe that that prayer begins in heaven. It starts in God's heart. And once, folks, we find the rhythm of God's heart, His heart becomes the focus of our prayers. We, We stop praying what we want. And we start praying His heart, His will. So today, I hope that the takeaway from this sermon will be something that literally will revolutionize your 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 relationship with God, and maybe it'll spur you into a deeper place of prayer. When I talk about deeper prayer lives, listen to me, this is not what I mean. Okay? That you'll pray for hours and hours and hours. I know people that can pray for hours and hours and hours. And I know other people that pray, boom, 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 and they're out. And boom, 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 and they're out. God made us different, okay? We don't have to all be alike. I know some of you, when I, when I talk about a, a deeper prayer life, you, you think I'm talking about getting up in the mornings and, and spending an hour at 5 a.m. with God. Okay? I don't, okay? Because I, I, I struggle at 5 a.m. At least there's one other person that's honest in here. I struggle at 5 a.m. I don't start hitting on all cylinders till about 10. Now, that doesn't mean I, I stay in the bed. It's just that the brain doesn't coalesce. I mean, it just doesn't congeal you know what i'm saying and so my prayer times later in the day when my rhythm can get in in rhythm with god see god made us all different now i've heard all the sermons where you ought to do this and this and this listen i'll take people who will pray when they're alert and 100 percent on the page with god i'll take five or six of those and 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 a hundred that get up and go to sleep while they're praying I'd, i'd rather be with the five that get on the same page with god okay you got to find your rhythm with God, okay? But all of us need to pray. And, and sometimes we worry about a lot of things that, that really don't matter. And I'm going to talk about some that they're important, but they're not the key, okay? I'm going to give you one key today that ought to make you want to go home and pray. Y'all ready? It's going to be a little while, okay? So, why does God answer our prayers? Well, I, don't, I believe the, the, it's not rocket science, okay? It's not 
three steps or if you do this four times or if you say this five times or a 12-step program. There, there's not a set of things you can do and be guaranteed that God will answer your prayers. Amen? Well, Pastor, that's not what I've been taught. I've been taught if I do this, this, and this, God will answer my prayer. Well, what's happened is we've been taught if you do this and if you do that, God will answer your prayers. But today, that's not what I'm going to teach you, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to give you a list. I'm not going to give you some formulas. I'm not going to give you a seven-step program that will take you to Nirvana in your prayer life or Narnia or Utopia or wherever you want to go in your prayer life. I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm just going to give you a simple statement at the end of this sermon to sum up what I stumbled over this week. I was reading a passage of Scripture. I was, I was continuing the, the vein of where God was leading me, and I read over this passage this week, and for the first time, in my life, I understood what that passage meant. I've heard all kinds of sermons. I just confess now, I've preached a bunch of sermons from it, and I realized that the point I made was not the point Jesus was making. Okay? And so I, I really believe this morning that God's going to show us some things. Now, all of us are familiar with the numerous reasons why we don't get our prayers answered. Amen? Well, if you're not, I'm going to give you two or three, okay? They come right out of the text of Scripture. The first couple are found in James chapter 4, the latter part of verse 2 and verse 3. Jesus, I mean, uh, James says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Jesus says, I mean, James says, you have not because you ask not. That's pretty simple, Amen. But there's lots of different reasons that we don't ask. Sometimes it's because we don't pray. Okay? And, and this is not rocket science. I'm just going to be real simple. Sometimes God doesn't answer because we don't ask. Sometimes God doesn't answer because we haven't thought to ask. There's a lot of that in the body of Christ. Well, I just never thought God would even answer it, so I didn't even ask. Sometimes it's because we're unwilling to ask. See, we, we've got this thing in our head that I can't ask God for that. God doesn't do that anymore. God won't do that. That's impossible. Listen to me. There's one word that's not in God's vocabulary. It's probably more, but I know this one's not in there. It's impossible. Over and over and over through Scripture, you will hear this. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel told Mary, she said, how in the world am I going to conceive a child? I don't have a husband. I've never been with a man. I, I, you know, I, I understand biology. And the angel said, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. So one of the reasons is we're unwilling to ask. And sometimes that's due because there's unbelief. Sometimes it's fear. You ever been afraid to ask God for something? I think all of us probably have. I really need this, but man, I'm afraid to ask God. And sometimes it's just arrogance. Okay? Let's just be real honest. Sometimes we don't ask because we're just arrogant. You fill in the blank. The, the problem is silence. Silence. You have not because you ask not. Silence. Now, the second reason is just as obvious here. It says you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You ask motivated by selfishness which is sin. In other words, your prayer is nothing but a list for me. This is what I want, not what God wants. I've prayed those kind of prayers. Amen? Any of you ever prayed that? I have. I've prayed selfish prayers before. This is what I want. And I knew the whole time I was praying it that this was not what God wanted. And there was a battle going on inside of me. And guess what? He didn't answer the prayer. And I knew he wasn't going to answer the prayer. We want what we want. We want it right now. It's my will, not God's will. Folks, all that is, is witchcraft prayer. That's all it is, trying to control a situation. There are, there are other definitions of witchcraft prayer, but that's one of them. Sometimes you will hear witchcraft praying in groups. And you know this is what that person wants for this other person's life, not for what God wants. So sometimes our prayers don't get answered because we're silent. 
Sometimes we're selfish. Now, there's a third reason that a lot of prayers get unanswered. And maybe this is not one you've ever thought about, but this is one Jesus pointed out. And the reason is a lot of our prayers are for show. I'll let that settle just a minute. Like, okay, they're for show. They're not vertical. They weren't intended for God. They're horizontal. They're intended for those people that can hear us pray. Those prayers never reach any higher than the height of the person's mouth who spoke them. Okay? How many of you have, well, I probably, not many of you, but a few of you probably. How many of you, there's a, there's a ride at Six Flags. I don't know what it's called. But it goes up so many stories. And then it just goes click, 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 click out, and then it drops. I don't know what it's called. Free fall. Can I just tell you, I rode that with my daughter, and they had to help me get out of the, the ride at the end of it. But that's, what, that's the kind of prayers I'm talking about. Show prayers do exactly that. They go out of your mouth, and they drop like rocks. And Jesus put it this way. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen. And, you know, you could, you could, you could say to be heard as well. To be seen by men. Truly, Jesus said, they have their reward in full. They were seen. They were heard. So we don't have our prayers answered because of silence. Because of selfishness. Because we're praying for show. And there's, there's one other reason that Jesus gives us. And the fourth reason follows real close behind the last one. And, and Jesus, in fact, as he's continuing there, this is the one he, he gives. He, I call this senseless repetition. Okay? Uh, this is the kind of prayer that, whether you realize or not, comes right out of paganism. In Jesus' day, the pagans got a word or a sentence or a formula. And they just prayed it over and over and over and over. And their belief was if they prayed it enough, their God would get tired of hearing it and he would answer. In other words, if we twist God's arm enough, he'll act. Now, it may be I have to pray that prayer ten times. Or I have to pray that prayer a hundred times or a thousand times, whatever the magic number is. Or I have to repeat that paragraph. And folks, there are a lot of people today that are praying those kind of prayers. Wouldn't you say, well, Nelson, that's not true. Well, you just listen sometimes over and over and over the same thing, over and over. Folks, they're trying to hit the magic number so that God will answer. And you know what? God will. He will move on and listen to somebody else who's trying to pray and have a conversation with him. He won't listen to those kind of prayers because, listen, you can't twist God's arm and make him answer prayers. You don't have to, okay? You don't have to. Jesus put it this way. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. Mm -mm. There's a lot of different applications right here. It's not just repeating the same thing over and over. It's just going on and on and on. You ever heard a prayer that just... On and on and on and on. Therefore, don't be like them. For your heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. In other words, get to the point, tell Him what you need, and go on. Prayer is simple. There's not no, there, I'm not going to use that language. There's no specific language. There's no way that I have to phrase it in certain sentences. I just, God, I need this. God, blah. I just lay it out there. That's, that's, that's what real prayer is. So, selfishness and silence and show and senseless repetition are surefire ways to make sure your prayers go unanswered. So, why does God answer prayers? Is it the posture? Eyes closed. Head bowed. One knee or two. Which one do I do, prayer preacher? It's not the posture, okay? It's not the posture. Well, well pastor, I know there, there are certain words I need to be using. Which, which words do I use? Which words do I not use? Pastor, how do I phrase it? Folks, it's not phrasing. It's not words. Well, it's got to be time and place. I've got to get up early before daylight. 
I got to stay. You know, it's, it's times. It's not times. It's, it's not when we choose to play. Well, Pastor, I know if I don't bring my Bible and I don't bring a notebook and I don't bring my prayer journal and I don't bring an ink pen ready to write down and I don't put the right kind of praise music on, God won't answer. It's not all that, folks. Well, I know, Pastor, it's because I don't have a prayer closet. Jesus said we had we were supposed to have a prayer closet in Matthew 6, 6. If you've got a prayer closet, praise God. Right now, I'm thinking, I, I, my mind's taken back to a, a little lady in Mississippi that was a prayer warrior in the last church that I served in. I mean, a woman of God. She, she spent hours in her prayer closet. It wasn't that that's all she had to do, that she'd come to that place in her life where that's what God wanted her to do. And I remember her taking me. She said, I want to show you something, Pastor. She said, I pray for you every day. And she opened a door. Folks, there were pictures of missionaries from the top of that door, and it was a genuine closet. She wheeled her little wheelchair in there every day. She shut that door. She turned on the light, and she prayed. Okay? So I'm not making light of a prayer closet. But you know what? If she had decided to to pray 18 inches on the other side of that door, you know what? God would have heard her prayers. It's, it's not, you don't have to have a prayer closet. Yes, you, you really need a place to pray. But if you don't have one and it changes from time to time, you know what? That doesn't mean God won't hear you. Well, Pastor, I know this is it. I've got to be tenacious. I've got to pray. I've got to be persistent. It's faith, isn't it, Pastor? Uh, faith's important, okay? Persistence. Sometimes it's important. But that's not the end-all, be-all. Folks, the, the reason is so obvious that we miss it. It's a reason that's foundational to relationship. That if we'll just grasp it, it'll change who we are. Now, I want you to learn, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to look at, 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 at uh Another account of when Jesus, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And in and, and, and this passage, they, they, his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. You see, some of Jesus' disciples had been disciples of John. They had followed, they'd walked with John. And so John had taught them how to pray. And now they wanted Jesus to teach them how. In their minds... If you had the prayer, you'd see the prayer answered. In that day, rabbis, the the traveling teachers, would give their disciples, they would teach them specific prayers to pray. They believed that if God, if they prayed that prayer, if they learned to pray that prayer, God would answer it. Okay? Things have not changed in 21 centuries. We are convinced that if we pray certain prayers, God will answer. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go off into the groups and things, but, but all of us know that. Listen, right here is a prayer. In, in Luke chapter 2, I mean uh, chapter 11, verse 2, it's also found in Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Lord's Prayer. There are tons of people that believe that they'll just pray that prayer, God will act. Okay? The prayer that Jesus gives them is a model so that they could learn to pray. It's not a mode of prayer. It's an example. It's not a prayer that the excerpts have to be repeated word for word, verbatim. It's it's a pattern. It's not a, a, a precise prayer that they were to pray. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but the reality of it is it would be better if we call it the model prayer because Jesus did not pray this prayer. Okay, he did not quote this prayer. That when he when he knelt down, these are not the words that came out of his mouth every time. Now I learned this prayer. I don't know when I learned this prayer, but I guarantee you, if I broke into it right now and bowed my head, every one of you could bow your head and the words would just flow. Okay, I can remember being in high school, right before we would go out on the field to play football. I mean, right after we'd had that rousing speech from our coach about, you know, those of you that played football, you know what it, what it was like. And all of a sudden, okay, let's, let's turn our attention over to chaplain so-and-so, and everybody bow their head. Our Father, I know, I'll be the name of the kingdom. I'll be the name of the Amen. And off we went, okay? 
Those of you that didn't play football, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Or, after we'd punched and gouged and kicked each other for four quarters at the end of the game, we'd kneel out there, totally exhausted. Our Father One team after amen happened, their heads had dropped. The other team's jumping around like this, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've been taught that if we just pray that prayer, that everything be okay. We've covered all the bases. We'd given glory to God's name. We'd ask his kingdom to come. We'd, we'd somehow told him what we needed. We'd, we'd basically confessed our sins and made sure that we didn't, uh, we didn't have any unforgiveness to anybody and, and we didn't want any evil to grab hold of us. Now, I'm not making light of the prayer. I want you to listen to me. I'm making light of the way we've prayed it, okay? Jesus gave it to his disciples to teach them what real prayers ought to contain. There ought to be some praise there. God's worthy of our praise. We ought to start our prayers with praise. We shouldn't go to the grocery list immediately and then as an afterthought, oh, by the way, God, you are glorious and wonderful. Please answer my prayer. There ought to be a realization that when we pray, it's not my will, God. It's your will that I want to see answered. We, we need to realize that, that we need to go to God with the things that we need every day. See, that, that's, a, that's a powerful declaration of dependence. God, I'm dependent on you to furnish me what I need. Oh, God, I, I pray that there's no unforgiveness in my life. And, Lord, I've made sure there's, there's none that I know of. I pray that, that Lord, you'll, you'll answer these prayers because I've already forgiven everybody that, that had a bone of contention with me. And I pray that there's nobody out there that, that has one with me. And, by the way, Lord, protect us today from the evil one. Keep us away from him. I mean, that ought to be in all of our prayers. But it was a model that he was giving them. And so Jesus responds by giving them a model. And I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Uh, Most of us will quote it out of the King James, okay? But in, 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 in Luke 11, verse 2, Jesus says, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdoms come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Now, when we read that, for some reason, our minds click off. And we miss the big point of the rest, the next Eight or nine verses. You see, there was a huge elephant standing in the corner of the room. Not a literal one. How many of you have ever been in a situation where there was an elephant, an invisible elephant, and everybody knew it was there, but nobody would say anything about it? It it was so heavy that you you just were praying, somebody asked that question, somebody asked that question, okay? We don't understand the culture. And therefore, we totally miss and we blow what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples here. We, we come away from this passage, the, the next few verses, believing that if we'll just persevere in prayer, God will answer. If I'll knock, the door will be opened. If I'll seek, I'll find it. If I'll ask enough, I'll get it. That's not the point of the passage, okay? It's not the point. God help me. For the sermons I've preached and made that the point, okay? This week God showed me something else. You see, that elephant in the room was just standing there and it was just it was just mashing them down. Jesus has just given them a model and, and they're wanting to this is what they're wanting to ask. Okay, Jesus, if I pray that word for word. You need to slow down. You're going to have to. I'm writing this down, Lord, on on, on my on the on the inside of my prayer shawl that I wear all the time. I'm writing this down, Lord. I, I got to get some ink from John. I've run out, Lord. If I write this down and I pray this prayer, then we're going to see our prayers answered like you see your prayers answered, folks. That was the elephant in the room right then, because that was the culture that they lived in. That if you pray specific prayers, God will answer. You remember the the sons of Sceva? Who, who got the little phrase, in Jesus' name? 
the one to the Jesus who Paul preaches, it's the same thing. If I add that little thing into my into my little uh, discourse, I can cast out demons uh, in Jesus' name. Well, what happened? If you read the the passage real carefully, the demons paid no attention to it. They said, "You know, we we've heard of Paul, or we know Jesus. We've heard of Paul. Who are you? Who are you?" Well, the disciples had, had grown up in a culture that believed if they prayed specific prayers and it was the right prayer, then God would answer. And so no one said anything, but I guarantee every man in that room believed that. It was ingrained in them from their birth. And so Jesus kind of immediately kind of blows it right out of the water. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 8. He begins to tell a story. He says, suppose one of you had a friend. And you go to him at midnight. And you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he shall say, don't bother me. The door has already been shut. My children in bed. And I are in, I, my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, in the Western world, we have seized, yet because of his persistence. In other words, if I'll ask and ask, and ask, and ask, and ask, and ask, and ask. When I hit ding, 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 the right number, God will move. How many of you been taught that? Uh, I've been taught that. I mean, they didn't say that, but they said, you know what? Your prayers need to be persistence. You need to grab hold of God, not give up. And we've all heard that. And they've used this text to substantiate. I've done that, okay? That's not the point of this text. Persistence is important. Okay, so don't don't misunderstand me. Tenacity is important. But just because I pray it over and over and over does not obligate God to answer it. There's one reason God answers prayers. And I'll share that with you in just a minute, okay? Now, There's a story here that we miss. And every element of this story is important. Most of us have been taught that it's the persistence of the man beating on the door. His tenacity. But that's not what Jesus is illustrating. You see, in the Middle East, hospitality is king. Okay? We, we just don't understand that in our culture. We, we pick and choose who we help. In the Middle East, if you came to someone and asked them to help you, in other words, if if you were traveling and the inns were full and there was no place to stay and you camped out in in the center of the city, the people that lived around that park were obligated to come and offer you overnight Residents at their house. Not only were they, were they obligated to offer you a place to stay, they were obligated to offer you food to eat and food for your livestock. Okay, it was a part of their culture. Even today, if you go to the Middle East, you will see it. They are hospitable people. It, it's it's a matter of listen to me. It's a matter of honor. To not extend hospitality, to not help someone was a dishonor and it dishonored you as an individual but it also dishonored the community you lived in in other words your town got the big black x you don't want to go over to 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 gaza those bunch of people are selfish and they stink and you know what people would do they would avoid that place you don't want to go to bethlehem they want to help you there they'll put you in the out in the barn with the other animals they don't even care about pregnant women there Isn't that the story of Christmas? Okay, that's not the story of Christmas. I'm I'm going to take a time out. This is an excursus, okay, over here. The innkeeper had no other place. All the rooms were full. He could have said, Buenas noches. Hit the road, Jack. But he didn't. 
He said, you can use my stable. There's food for your animal there. I'm sorry, this is all I got. You say, well, I don't read that in the Bible. Well, it's there if you understand the culture. We've made the innkeeper the worst villain next to Satan. Amen? When I say innkeeper, that's what you think. Well, he put Jesus' mom and daddy out in that, in that thing. That's why Jesus was born there. It wasn't. He extended the hospitality that he had. And so what Jesus begins to tell a story, he says, listen to me. I want to tell you a story. I want to give you an example. And, and though he doesn't say it as he begins to tell it, it's so far-fetched that they can't hardly believe it. In fact, I'll guarantee you as he tells this story, they're laughing because they can't believe anybody would be like this. Listen, he, 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 there's a man. He has a friend that shows up at his house. Hey, it's Joe. I've been traveling Man, I don't need a place to stay. Oh, Joe, I hadn't seen you in 10 years. Come on in. And the man looks around. He didn't have any food. He didn't have any whole loaves of bread. He probably had some scraps, some end pieces. Y'all know what I'm talking about, end pieces? I could use the other word that a lot of people use, but just end pieces, okay? All I got is a couple of end pieces left. To have given him a partial loaf of bread would have been to dishonor him, Okay? I, I, there's all kinds of things going through my mind. I'm just going to stay with that one, okay? So instead, he says, hey, you sit down, cool your jets. I'll take care of your, your cattle and your, your your mule or whatever you're riding. Let me run across the door. And so he, he runs over across the door. Boom, 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 boom. Now the lights are out, okay? Everybody's in bed. It's that time of night, but they traveled at night. You know why they traveled at night? Because it's so stinking hot during the day that if you don't travel at night, you'll die. You can't stand it in the heat of the day. And so they traveled at night. So he runs across the, the street to his neighbor's house. And his neighbors didn't live three or four hundred yards there. And there was one and a half mile over there. They were jam-packed right up against each other. Boom, 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 boom. So his neighbor hears him. Wakes him out of a dead sleep. And the neighbor responds. Oh, no, it's Joe. What's Joe want? Maybe if I just lay here real quiet, Joe will go to the next guy's house. Nobody will know it was me. Joe's out there. He's beating with both hands. Bill, 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 I need some bread. I need some bread. Hey, wake up. Well, by this time, the lights are starting to come on. Any of y'all know in the neighborhood? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Gladys Kravis is at the window. She's trying to figure out what's going on out there. Okay, I mean, that's you put yourself in the situation. The, the, the window, the lights are coming on. You know, people are sticking their heads out, and this old boy, he's he's wailing it with both hands. Joe, come to the door. Come to the door. Come to the door. I need some bread. I need some bread. And so the guy in the house, he's getting a little embarrassed. He's not embarrassed for Joe. He's embarrassed for himself. Now the neighbors are going to find out that he won't come to his door and help his friend out. He won't get up. Here's the excuse he uses. Joe, the lights are out. My kids are asleep. And I, I am in bed. Folks, he didn't live in a hundred room mansion. He lived in a two room house at best. The kids slept on the floor or in the bed with him. And he's saying to his friend, Joe, you're my friend, but my kids are asleep. I'm already in bed. The door's locked. Y'all get the sense of how goofy this story is? All the disciples by this time are patting each other on the shoulder and elbowing each other. They can't believe the silliness of the story. But here's Jesus' point. What kind of friend would withhold what was in his power to give? That's the point. It's not that this guy's beat his fist till his hands are bloody. It's not that he's yelled till he's hoarse. It's not that this guy was, was wonderful and got up and gave him bread. It's that the guy in the house would not extend hospitality. He would not give him what common culture demanded. 
Now, most of us have been taught that it's about persistence, that we need to be tenacious. The word that's translated persistence here literally means because this man who's beaten on the door has no shame. That's what it means. There's, there's no shame. He doesn't care about his reputation. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get two or three loaves of bread. If he has to wake up the whole neighborhood, he's going to fulfill what it is that's demanded of him by his culture. He's going to be hospitable. And so Jesus Jesus uses a word that means out of ignorance or ruthless. This guy's ruthless. I mean, he, he's, his boldness is waking the whole neighborhood up. The dogs are barking. The lights are... Y'all know what I'm talking about. I live out in the boondocks. And you hear one noise, and guess what happens? Next thing you know, your dogs are... And and lights start to come on. And you can see them all over the place. Well, that's what was happening there. I mean, people coming out on their porch with their pajamas on. You hear... Baby's crying. My gosh, we've woken the baby up, Joe. You've woken our baby up. Here's Jesus' point. You're not going to embarrass God. See, Jesus was telling a story. This man was embarrassed, and he finally got up, and he acted. But folks, we're not going to embarrass God. In a matter of speaking, he was saying, you know what, you can pray the prayer I've just given you a hundred times, but you're not going to embarrass God and make him move because you pray it enough. You can use the exact words, but God's not going to answer it because you pray it enough. Now, Jesus responds with another story. He comes right out of that story, okay? Well, let me let me back up a little bit. He he, he uses a, a, a he 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 goes into verse nine. He says, "So I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open." Folks, the point is not asking. And seeking and knocking. The point is when we are in prayer. That we're ruthless. That even if we pray in ignorance. We pray as hard as. It means engaging ourselves. In prayer. See this man had a need. And he didn't care. Who knew it. We start praying like that. You know what I don't care. If you know my need. This is my need. I need God to know it. And so, so he, he just he begins to wear it out. The point is, is it doesn't you know it doesn't uh, embarrass God. Jesus says this. He says, "But I say to you, but I say to you." In other words, listen to me. Make it your habit to request to 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 request like this. When this man had a need, he went to to his neighbor because he knew his neighbor could meet the need. When you have a need, go to God. Go to God. Request it. Request it with, without any concern whether God's going to like it or not. Just request it. Make your request. You know what? It'll be granted to you. Whenever you have a need, even if it's in the middle of the night, respond like this guy did and God will answer you. Don't be afraid to seek after what you need. And the word he uses if if you seek it, you will find it, is the picture of a man who's lost something, and he's desperate. You ever been there? You ever lost something, and you had to have it? It's pretty common at our house, okay? I don't know about yours. It's desperation sets in. It's like crazy people. You know what? We start praying like that, doors will get open. You mean i got to pray like a crazy person to get... The door open? No, but you need what? You know what? You need to pray like you've lost it. You know, you pray a little. You pray with a, di- a different kind of desperation. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thou omnipotent God, bless Johnny today. God, my boy's out there. Help him. 
There's a big difference in that prayer. Make it your habit. Literally what Jesus is saying there when he says knock. It will be open. He says make it your habit to knock on God's door. And you will receive access into places which have been previously closed to you. So we've been taught to beat till our hands are bloody. To yell till there's no voice left in our, our throat. And to hunt till we're dead dog tired. And that's not what this passage is teaching. Jesus goes immediately from this into another story. And folks, this story is even more wild than the first story. Okay? To them. It, would have, it, it blew their minds that Jesus would even use these illustrations. What kind of logical person would do that? Listen to what Luke 11, verse 11 and 12 says. He says, now suppose... One of you. See, he, he, he was going, his first story was, well, let's just take, for instance, this account. But now he's going, now, I want you to listen. Which one of you? So he's got real personal now. He, he's, not, he's not preaching to the choir. Now he's wading around inside their own shoes. He's stomping their toes. Which one of you? Now, suppose one of you, you fathers, is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? He won't do that, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion, will he? Now, don't you read that and listen to that. What are you saying if your little baby boy or your little baby girl comes to you? Says, Daddy, Daddy, give me some bread. You won't snatch a, 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 a serpent up, will you? And hand him that. Say, here, do the best you can. No father in his right mind, no parent in his mind would ever conceive that. Amen? Things haven't changed in 21 centuries. Parents still love their kids and did what was best for them. He takes it a step farther. He says, if your son asks you for an egg, very common thing. They would eat them at, at, sometimes at every meal, especially at breakfast. He says, if your son, daddy, give me an egg. You wouldn't give him a scorpion, would you? And see, when he, when he said scorpion, their minds immediately went to what they, they called it the death stalker. That's what its nickname was. It was, a, it was a, a little yellow scorpion, greenish yellow. It was about three to five inches long. Big sucker, okay? They were terrified of them because they were everywhere. Now, an, an adult, if they were stung by the scorpion, probably wouldn't die. But it would make them very sick. And, the, pain, and, the, and the, the sting was very painful. But if a child was stung by that scorpion, that child would die. And Jesus says, how many of you would give a death stalker? You'd put in your little baby boy's or girl's hand. How many of you would put a death stalker in his hand if he asked you for an egg? Now, do you see my point? Do you see the point of the story? Jesus is using things that are so far-fetched that the disciples are going, well, duh, nobody. I sure wouldn't do that. Would you do that? No, I wouldn't do that. I'd never trick my son or my daughter into taking a scorpion instead of an egg. What kind of parent would do that? And that's Jesus' point. He wanted to, to stir that up. Who would do such a thing? And folks, the point Jesus is making here is not about perseverance. It's not about mouthing a special prayer at a precise moment. It's not about the amount of faith you have or you don't have. It's not about asking till you're hoarse. It's not about seeking till you're exhausted. It's not about knocking till your fists are bloody. The point that Jesus is making here is not even about us. Listen to me. It's not even about us. The point that he's trying to make here is about God. God's our heavenly Father. He's not an earthly father. That's exactly what he says here. Folks, this is not even about the Holy Spirit. You know, at the end of this, he says, how many more so will I not give you the Holy Spirit for those that ask? The point is about God. God's your father. I've given you a model to kind of guide you as you pray to him, but you've forgotten something. 
you think it's because you use certain sentences or, or you use certain words or you get in a certain posture or you bow your head or don't bow your head. You stand with your arms out raised or you put them at your side. You pray with big words or you pray with simple words. It's not about that. The point of this whole thing is about God. It's not about persistence or ask or receive or seek or find or knock or open or even the Holy Spirit. The primary reason that God answers prayers. You may want to write this down. Okay? God loves his kids. That's it. Ain't rocket science. God answers our prayers because he's our heavenly father. And the main reason he answers our prayers is because he wants to demonstrate how much he loves us in tangible ways that meet our needs. God loves you. And you. And you. And you. And every prayer that he's ever answered in your life or in my life is for one reason. It's not because I got up at 4 a.m. and stayed on my knees until there were calluses on them. It's not because I prayed for five hours. It's not because I used the specific words that somebody had taught me in some class somewhere. Or because I got this idea out of a book and it worked for this guy. It's because God loves us. He's our daddy. Or as the Hebrew word would say, our Abba. That's what that means, daddy. I'll never forget the first time I went to Israel. We, uh, on the Sabbath... Uh, as the Sabbath was, I'm a little foggy on exactly when, but I think it was the the Sabbath begins. I'm not mistaken. Friday night at a certain time ends Saturday night at a certain time. Well, Friday evening, all the Jewish families, those that celebrate Sabbath, eat together. It's a big deal. I'll never. We went to a restaurant, or we were in a hotel. And it was a pretty nice hotel, and a lot of the families were coming. They were eating out. It was their big, it was their celebration. I'll never forget, Abba, Abba, Abba. Well, I knew a little Hebrew. I knew that meant daddy, 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 daddy. It's a little girl. She's trying to find her daddy. Abba, Abba. All of a sudden, you see this big hand reach out and take her hand. And it reminded me of the prayers Jesus prayed, Abba, Abba. Same thing we're supposed to pray. God answers our prayers, folks, for one reason. He loves us. Later, as as Jesus prayed just before he left the upper room, where he had just spent time with his closest friends, before he goes to the garden and begins to pray in the garden, there's there's a prayer. It's found in John 17. We call it Jesus' high priestly prayer. Several years ago, I stumbled across... Ten words in that prayer that just grabbed me. Now, in the Greek, it's a few less words. But when it's translated into English, you know, Jesus prays. I mean, he prays. When you read that thing, you get lost in it because Jesus prays, I pray that they'll be one as we are one and you are one and I am one. And, and I mean, I'm not making a lot of it, but it's, it's, he's making specific statements there. And then he says this, that they... That, you, that they will know that you love them as much as you love me. Folks, God loves you. You, right where you are, whatever's going on in your life right now at this very moment, God loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Now you need to take hold of that and wrap those arms around you. Because it'll change the way you pray. So you're not twisting God's arms to get something that he doesn't want to give you. You're crawling up in your heavenly father's lap. And just saying, God, I, I got this need. Now I realize when I say that, when I draw that picture, some of you didn't have the best daddies in the world. That's what that last story's for. You remember he says, and you being sinful, you being less than, good fathers. You can do the best you can. You're still not the greatest father. God's not that way. He is the perfect father. He wants to meet your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God 
And all these things will follow you. He wants to give us the desires of our life. But folks, we're not asking. We're not going after him with that in mind. We're convinced that if I'm persistent, dadgummit, if I just willpower it in there, God will have to do this. Or if I use certain phrases that Brother Puffin stuff taught me years ago when I was a child, if I just use that phrase, he got his prayers answered, I'll get my prayers answered. Folks, I have heard people pray. I've heard some of you pray. And when I hear you pray, it's like heaven opens up around you. It's a simple, it's not complex. You just say what's on your heart. It's, it's, like, it's like overhearing, it's like sliding up beside somebody that's having a conversation with somebody else and over and, and butting into it and listening. Just asking. Just be asking. If you need it, you need it. Amen? Don't listen to what she says or he says or what Dr. Whatever says. If you need it, you need it. And guess what? In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus talks about this, he says this. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need even before you ask. Folks, we've been taught so many bad things. Now, they weren't taught. Listen to me, okay? They weren't taught because the people that taught them were wicked and evil. We've taught our culture into Scripture instead of taking the culture of Jesus out of Scripture. Okay? As Americans... Dadgummit, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and if you work hard enough, you know what? You'll succeed. That's ingrained in us. So we pray that way. Amen? You know what? Winners never quit, and quitters never win. So I'm going to hang in here till I can't go any longer, and then I'm going to go a little bit longer. That's Western culture. That's not Jesus. That's not Bible. I don't have to twist God's arms. To get my prayers answered. I don't have to wear him down. Until he's tired. And worn out. Like the judge. Who the woman just kept going to. And kept going to. And kept going to. And kept going to. And kept going. I don't have to wear him out. It won't be because I can outlast him. That he answers one prayer of mine. You can't outlast God. He's eternal. God answers prayers because he loves us. Okay? God loves us. I want you to say something, okay? It's going to be hard for some of you. You don't have to say it loud, but I want you to say it out loud, okay? God loves me. Okay, we're going to say it. God loves me. Let you say it again. God loves me. 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 Because so many of you have been taught, you know what, nobody can love you. You're messed up. You, you've made so many mistakes, you're messed up. You don't think like I do. Folks, God loves you. He loves you. And he answers prayers for one reason. Faith important? Yes, it is. Is being obedient important? Yes, it is. Is walking in the gifts He's given me important? Yes, they are. Is is persistence important? Sometimes. All those things are important, but they're not the main reason. The main reason is simple. God loves us you will start to see your prayers answered far more often with that idea. When I come to God, God loves me today. I'm just going to ask him for this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I love so-and-so, and they're such and such a mess. Would you help them? You know what? I help, I'll help, son, because I love you. 
and I love them. God, my body is racked with pain. I know. Will you help me? Yes, son, I'll help you. God, my mind is full of garbage. And I don't care how hard I try to not think about those things. They just come to the top. God, help me. I'd love to, son. Let me help you. He helps us because he loves us. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.